Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Only on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, credential reporter for SB Nation covering the Houston Rockets, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, as Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, please remember to subscribe to Believe in the Rockets on all your favorite podcast streaming services. And if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to leave a review. On this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, we're going to discuss the trade rumors surrounding Eric Gordon and what teams should call the Rockets in order to get their hands on the 32-year-old sharpshooter. And then in our second segment, I am going to welcome in NBA reporter Evan Damarell to get some insights on the report that the Rockets are interested in trading with the Detroit Pistons for the top overall selection in this year's draft. And with Evan coming on the podcast for this week, Evan is also a Cleveland Cavaliers insider for SB Nation and for the Locked On Podcast Network. And I'm going to pick his brain on what is going on with the trade rumors surrounding Collis Sexton. And then to close out this week's installment of Believe in the Rockets, I'm actually going to share my thoughts on whether or not the Rockets should go after Sexton with him being available by the Cleveland Cavaliers. But before we jump into that, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Game 5 of the NBA Finals is set to begin on Saturday, and the MLB is heading towards the second half of their season. And you can make the MLB and the NBA a little bit more exciting by improving your bank account with BetOnline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to BetOnline.ag and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So as I mentioned, I wanted to get this week's installment of Believe in the Rockets kicked off with the news that the Rockets have discussed trade scenarios regarding Eric Gordon. And that report came out on Tuesday, according to Shams of The Athletic. And ladies and gentlemen, Rockets fans out there, I'm not surprised by this news because Eric Gordon is 32 years old and with the Rockets going into a full rebuild, there is just no need for Gordon to be a part of this organization no longer. As a matter of fact, the perfect offseason for me is for the Rockets to find some type of way to move on from not only Eric Gordon, but John Wall as well. And that's no disrespect to those two players, but When you take a look at the fact that the Rockets are going into a full rebuild, they are interested in developing their young talent, and they're also developing and acquiring young promising talent as well. And that is going to be a little bit harder, especially for the young talent that they want to keep around for the long haul with John Wall and Eric Gordon still on the roster and still taking up, let's say, 50 to 60% of the salary cap space. 
And with three years still left on his contract, Gordon still has somewhere in the ballpark of 50 to $55 million left on his contract. So it might not be hard to move Eric Gordon as much as it is going to be hard to move John Wall. However, there is still some challenges the Rockets will face when they decide to move on from Eric Gordon. First and foremost, you got to take a look at what Eric Gordon brings to a team. Yes, he is still a productive player. Yes, he can still be a team six man. We saw here for what, five and a half seasons with the Houston Rockets. However, the biggest knock against Eric Gordon is the fact that the man cannot stay healthy. And when I take a look at the rumors and when I take a look at what teams are out there who can make a move in order to get their hands on Eric Gordon, one of the deals and one of the teams that I keep seeing are the Indiana Pacers. And Indiana did say that they are willing to move the number 13 pick for a well-established player. And Eric Gordon is a very well-established player in this league. But I do not see the Indiana Pacers moving on from a lottery pick in order to exchange that for Eric Gordon, who is one, 32 years old, two, does not fit in their timeline with their rebuild and three most importantly is a player who is always injured the only way i can see the rockets actually moving eric gordon to indiana and basically one where you might get somewhat of a fair value is if they move him in exchange you get one of the young prospects that indiana has someone like aaron holiday who is still in the developmental stage but he is someone who can actually improve the rockets defense but once again, when I take a look at Eric Gordon, when I take a look at Aaron Holiday, I can see the Indiana Pacers wanting to keep Holiday just because he's younger and he is someone who can actually be a foundational piece towards they rebuild. But getting a young prospect is the route the Rockets should go in their attempt of moving on from Eric Gordon. And when I take a look at the impact that Eric Gordon can have on the NBA team, the best case scenario for the Rockets is if they are able to move Gordon to a championship contending team and get their hands on one of their young prospects. I go to the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis. You always need shooters. And Eric Gordon's ability to shoot the three ball has always been his best attribute. Gordon has always been very reliable on the defensive side of the ball. And that is something that can actually help the Lakers in their championship run in 2022, especially considering that LeBron James is getting up there in age. And I also don't want to forget to mention when I take a look at the possibility of Eric Gordon being moved on to the Lakers that he can actually give them an additional ball handler, which is something and possibly the most important attribute that Los Angeles needs. Now, another team I would like to see the Rockets open the trade talks with in order to move on from Eric Gordon. And I honestly don't know how this will work given the fractured relationship between these two organizations is the Philadelphia 76ers. And we saw how bad the 76ers need multiple shooters on the court, especially with Ben Simmons being their primary ball handler. Now, yes, I understand that Ben Simmons is currently on a trading block. However, I'm not too sure if the 76ers are going to find a trade partner for Simmons because his trade value is at his lowest. 
So if I'm Darren Moore in the 76ers, and yes, that is still weird to say, especially with Tad Brown going to join Maury in Philadelphia, you're not going to find a valuable trade partner for Ben Simmons, which means you're going to have to go into the market and see how can you maximize the shooting potential, especially maximize the possibility of having multiple three-point shooting threats on the court with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid sharing the floor at the same time and when you add a guy like eric gordon that is going to free up some space on the court for ben simmons giving him an additional three-point shooter who's the young guy i would like to see the rockets get their hands on if they have an opportunity to move him to the philadelphia 76ers Tyrese Max. I think Maxi will develop into a really good player in this league. I'm not sure what type of player as of yet because I really did not watch him that much until the playoffs, but I did like what I saw from Maxi during the playoffs. He is a guy who is one, he is a guy who does not shy away from big moments. And two, and most importantly, he is a guy that I do believe can actually play alongside Kevin Porter Jr. Someone KPJ can actually share the playmaking duties with and he's also a player Tyreek Maxey he's also a player who can play both on and off the ball I just wanted to throw that out there just to give an idea on what will be the best case scenario for the Rockets when moving on from Eric Gordon best case scenario it is going to have to be a team like the Lakers like the 76ers who are in championship contention and they can afford to give up a young promising player in order to get their hands on a veteran player who can actually help their chances of winning the championship in 2022 versus a team like the Indiana Pacers who's going to need their young players like Aaron Holiday who's going to need their number 13 overall pick a lottery pick for their rebuild but speaking of trade, the Houston Rockets and the NBA are officially in the trade rumor season, especially with the NBA draft coming up, which means it is time to get into or get insight on what is going on between the Houston Rockets having an interest in trading with the Detroit Pistons for the number one overall selection in this year's NBA draft, which means, ladies and gentlemen, the Rockets have their eyes set on Kay Cunningham. And continuing with this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, I am joined by Evan Damarell, the editor at SB Nation Fear the Sword and co-host of Locked On Cavaliers. Evan, what's going on, my guy, and welcome to Believe in the Rockets. Thank you for having me. Not a lot's going on. It's uh it's a muggy day in Northeast Ohio. Are you are you based in Houston, my man? Yes, sir. I'm based in Houston and it's always muggy, it's always hot, and it's always raining. For some reason, over the last two weeks, we have been getting like downpours of rain and it's oh my god it's just been a mess oh i it's been off and on raining here it's been a bit of a tease lately in northeast ohio in the cleveland area where every day the weather's like it's going to be an apocalyptic storm or something close to it and then you're waiting <laughs> around you see a little bit of overcast i i'm i'm trying to get into shape and because i'm doing a bike race in this fall for mm -hmm. cancer and um I've been trying to get the shapes. So I judge my runs on that and everything too. So I'm like, okay, if it's going to rain at this time, maybe I should go a little earlier and I'm you know, a little tired when I do that. And then it doesn't rain all day. It's just hot and muggy. So I'm like, well, I could have just sweated out at any time. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that, my guy. Well, good luck you. with that. So Evan, let's jump right into things with the news that the Rockets were actually one of the teams interested in trading with the Pistons for their top overall pick. And Evan, from what you know about the situation, what type of trade package are the Pistons 
Pistons asking for in exchange for their number one pick? And do you believe that the asking price is a little bit too much, even with the knowledge that Kay Cunningham is the grand prize for any team that is going to possess that top overall selection? Well, you have to look at it this way. I think a template that I was told is being used is the Trey Young, Luka Doncic swap from a few years ago where Atlanta got the Trey, Trey, they got Trey Young in the pick, but they also got a future first round pick with top five protections on it from Dallas. And I think that's kind of what the template Detroit's using. Granted, I think they can ask for a little bit more because Kate Cunningham really is by and far the best prospect in this draft class. It depends on who you ask really though, because some folks are making a case for Evan Mobley, but I think you're foolish if you don't take Cade Cunningham at this point. But um, I'm not sure if Houston's able to trade their own first round pick this year, but uh, or next year, I should say rather. But at this time, it wouldn't, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. I know they have uh, Detroit's pick, but it's heavily protected in 2022. So something, you know, could happen there as well, where Detroit kind of gets that pick back. But more or less, I think this is a lot of the Pistons doing their due diligence just to see what is out there. I reported today that the Cleveland Cavaliers are also interested in trading it for three, but from what I was told, Cleveland doesn't really have enough ammunition to move up to that spot, and Houston is loaded with picks after the James Harden trade, and granted, they are, they, they're a rebuilding squad, and they have Cleveland's former uh, swingman, Kevin Porter Jr., to kind of lead things, and with Christian Wood as well in the rebuild, but you know, I, I you could see what happens there. Maybe Houston really wants to swing for the fences. They believe Cade Cunningham's the guy. I think they have the ammunition to jump up there. But I think it's like I said, it's going to be the baseline of the trade where it is this year's pick. So that would be second overall and then possibly a top five protected pick in 2022 or 2023 based on just how the Stepien role kicks in itself. You don't want to get into any legal ramifications there, but I think it'll be okay. So if it's a top five protected pick in 2022, then maybe just an additional pick for their trouble as well. Um, I think that trade's doable, and I don't think it really set Houston too far back if that was the case. What is it about prospect Jalen Green that has the Pistons enamored with him? And do you know if there are any teams like the Cavs who might be calling the Rockets for their number two pick in hopes of getting their hands on Jalen Green themselves? Well, the thing is with Jalen Green, it's all about upside because he's incredibly raw. He is one of the youngest prospects in this upcoming draft class, but he was the consensus top player in high school, but then he decided to go to the G League Unite route, which I think a lot we're going to see a lot more high schoolers doing with just them able to pin their cap in the fact that, hey, we produced a top five pick, possibly top two or top three pick, depending on where Jalen Green selected, but he has a lot of the intrigue that Kevin Porter Jr. has, where he's like a big bodied shot creator. He has potential to be a three point threat as well. He showed some fun playmaking ability, which is interesting. He, like I said, he's big, but the only knocks against him is he has a slight frame and there are some concerns about his defensive upside, but I think that could be ironed out. Cause again, I don't know many high schoolers or kids that age that are, you know, phenomenal defensive prospects. Those are once in a blue moon kind of things. And usually they're big men when that happens. So it's going to take some time. He's going to have some growing pains and some adjustments, but if you believe in his talent and you believe in his upside, you really believe that he could be the next best thing you go for it because it's just an interesting draft class. It's a three horse race this year, because I, again, I said, um, Evan Mobley is no slouch either, but, Jalen Green is just a really intriguing player. And I think if he, if Houston stands pat and they go with Jalen Green, they're going to be very happy with the results. And it just, you really can't be too upset with it. Like, let's just put it this way. Like 
Kevin O'Connor of the ringer does a good job where he doesn't give outright comparisons to players, but he gives you shades of it where it's like the first comparison is kind of what you should expect. Maybe the second comparison is their apex. And then the third comparison is like their absolute floor. So for Jalen green, you could maybe see a little bit of Zach Levine as just like how he ends up, but you know, isn't a bad player at his apex. It's Brad Beal. If everything works out and at his low point is Malik Monk, but because of his intangibles, because a lot of things coaches like Brian Shaw is his coach and then other player and Jared Jack played with him at the G league night program too. Like so many people are so high on his upside. I think his stock is hot and let's say Houston really wants to try and like, say like Cleveland, I know is really into Jalen green. And let's say Houston wants to maybe trade back the three. If they think of a Mobley's their guy and they can convince Cleveland that they're going to take Jalen green with a little bit of smoke, Houston could get some assets for their trouble too, and try and move back a little bit and still get a top player in this class. And I'm, kind of glad that you started talking about Evan Mobley along with Jalen Green because my next question to you and this has been a big debate amongst Rockets Twitter like who is the better prospect out of Green and Mobley I am on the Mobley train because I think he's going to develop into the prototypical NBA stretch bid who can step out and shoot the three, but also can still be a live threat as well. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at it from a situation where we already have a really good ball handler and Kevin Porter Jr., someone I know you are really familiar with, but you're pairing him with Mobley and then also with Christian Wood, who I think is going to make a great one-two punch in that front court for the Rockets. Yeah, no, and I think if you're a rebuilding team, um, Cleveland is my wheelhouse, but I'm always of the mentality, you know, especially if you're a rebuilding squad, there's a reason why you're at the top of the draft. Um, you're, you need to take the best player available, and you need to believe you're taking the best player available, and who you currently have on this roster shouldn't impair your ability to take the best player available. Like, if you're Houston, Christian Wood shouldn't hold you back from taking Evan Mobley because he could play power forward and once he bulks up a little bit, because he's two, he's seven foot 215 right now, he needs to add a little weight to his frame before he really starts playing center long-term. So you start with the four for a bit, you work his way up to it. And then at the same time, like for Houston, Kevin Porter Jr. being on the roster shouldn't stop you from taking Jalen Green. If you think he's the best player available, you take him, you don't look back, and then you add to your young core and make it even stronger, and you make your team better along the way. And then the same thing goes for Cleveland. It's like they have Colin Sexton on the roster, but you shouldn't stop you from taking Jalen Green if he's there. And then, yes, they have Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Jared Allen on the roster. Like that shouldn't stop you from taking Evan Mobley either. I mean, shoot, even Jalen Suggs, if for some reason the Cavaliers fall in love with Jalen Suggs, having Darius Garland and Colin Sexton on the roster shouldn't stop you from taking Jalen Suggs because he may not be a top three player, but Jalen Suggs is the next best player available of that big three of Cunningham, Mobley, and Green. And then you just kind of figure it out from there, man. Like, I don't know. Like I said, there's a reason why you're picking in the top of the draft. You should take the best player available no matter what. You should never be drafting for fit or for yeah fit or need. Just like your need is talent. That's all it is. And speaking of the Cleveland Cavaliers side of things, what is going on with the trade rumors surrounding Colin Sexton? And what is the accent price that Cleveland has placed on their young guard? See, that's a lot to unpack. And I was on Locked on Knicks, actually, and we were only supposed to talk for a half hour to turn into like an hour long discussion because I, I, that's how I prefaced it saying it's a, <laughs> lot, it's a lot to unpack when it comes to Colin Sexton. And um, 
just long story short, he is rookie max extension eligible this offseason. So for him, that is five years, 168.9 million. I want to say the decibel amount might be incorrect. I could be wrong on that one, but I know 168 million is that that number's there. And Colin Sexton has been with Cleveland for three years now. You can make the argument that he is an elite three-level scorer, that 22 years old, averaging almost 25 points a game, four assists, and on very efficient numbers. And like I said, he's a three-level scorer. Like, there's a lot to like about him. There's also the voices in the back of your head saying, like, oh, he's a high-volume scorer on a bad team. He doesn't do anything to raise the team's floor or profile. Like, there's a lot of arguments and counter-arguments, and Cleveland has to walk this fine line where, okay, if you're his agent, they say, you've made my client the face of your franchise. You've called him your cultural leader. He is improved every single season. He has eliminated a lot of the stigma associated with an eighth overall pick and also what comes with just, you know, what he was coming with out of college where they thought he was going to be more of like an Eric Bledsoe, Patrick Beverly type who couldn't shoot threes. But instead, he can't play a lick of defense, but he can hit threes when he wants to take them. So there's a lot of issues there, and I think – Cleveland is hesitant to give Colin the money he wants. So they're a smart organization in the fact that they're exploring the market and seeing what's out there for him because uh, it's been reported. And I said this a few days prior to the Sean Sharania thing, but the New York Knicks are super interested in him. I know the Miami heat are, I think a lot of teams are the Indiana Pacers are a team that are observing it because there is a skill set and there's a value to Sexton's, game and he's a commodity in this league it's just figuring out what he's worth and people like Cavs fans are expecting like oh they're gonna get like an rj barrett return or if the pelicans step in it's gonna be brandon ingram i'm just gonna squash that notion again and say temper your expectations a bit because cleveland is negotiating from a position of disadvantage at this point where they say okay, I know your client doesn't is looking to be traded. Okay, I know you guys aren't willing to pay him. And then the, that's a thing. That's something you have to work with and teams are going to lowball you on that one. And on top of that, you have to find a team who wants to extend him because no team is willingly going to give up assets for a player that they can take a one-year rental on and then let him walk in free agency. That's absolutely foolish and that's terrible team management. So you have to take that into perspective too. And I don't know. So if you held a gun to my head, I would say there's a 45% chance Colin Sexton's traded within the next few weeks. And with the draft coming so soon, I think the rumors are only going to get hotter at this point, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he's back in Cleveland. I just don't know if he'll be playing out the remainder of his rookie deal and Cleveland will let him enter restricted free agency. If it does, it's going to get a lot bumpier. And then I think the talks are just going to resurface closer to the trade deadline. The Rockets swung for the fences and actually, in my opinion, hit a home run And when they acquired Kevin Porter Jr. from the Cavs. I believe that was back in January or February. I can't remember. But do you or do you not see the Rockets actually being one of the teams to make a call to Cleveland and see what it takes for them to get their hands on Colin Sexton? Um, if Houston is interested in him, I'm sure there's something that could be worked out. I, I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. is coming back. They uh. Things didn't end on the best of terms, and I know Cavs fans are a little frustrated because he is a valuable player. He is a good player. He's showing it in Houston. He showed it at the G League bubble as well. Mm -hmm. But um, it didn't end on the best of terms in Cleveland, so I don't think he's going to be coming back. He has nothing but love for the city and their fans. Don't get me wrong, but just the relationship with the organization is fractured at this point. And I think he's in the best situation for him in Houston at this point, especially with John Lucas as a coach on the team to kind of help him stay on the straight and narrow as well. But – 
getting Colin Sexton, it, it's interesting. I haven't really explored that. I haven't really reached out to Houston or asked if the Rockets are interested. But again, if he's available, I think it's a dis- he has a skill set that's valuable in this league. It's just fi- you have to figure out his fit with your team. And with a team like Houston, it'd be an interesting fit uh, playing alongside John Wall and Christian. Well, the Christian Wood would, I think John Wall is like a playmaker who plays a little bit of defense, makes life easier, but John Wall may not be there much longer. But then the Christian Wood is in a similar vein to Jared Allen, where he can be a safety gap or a safety valve for Colin to dump down to and Colin drives into traffic and is swarmed by defenders. Like it would make sense for Houston, but I don't know if he'd be high on their list. Um, I know on the Sexton side of things, his preference is the Knicks or the Miami Heat. Um, the Knicks is because he has a CAA connection. The Heat's because he is a, he really just wants to play with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, mostly Jimmy. And I think if you're able, if you're a team with a playmaking wing, you're going to be the best option for Colin Sexton. Like if the Lakers were able to afford him, he'd be so good next to LeBron or like Jimmy Butler. Like I said, just it's become a resurgence where he's really moving the rock and it's a new addition to his game. He's going to play really well because Colin isn't going to really move the rock much. And you'd rather him get buckets that if you provide the spacing and the playmaking and the defense alongside him, that's where he fits best. And that's where he kind of has those limitations and lumps and where things kind of get interesting where you can and can't send him. Evan Dale Morrell, Evan, thank you so much for your time. And really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on Twitter and Instagram and whatever social media you might be on? Well, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me. You can find me on Twitter at amnotevan. Um, I co-run Fear the Sword. We have a very talented team of writers there with my uh, editor-in-chief, Chris Manning. I call myself to the uh, the associate to the editor-in-chief or assistant to the regional editor-in-chief. Man, I even messed up my own joke. But <laughs> um, And other than that, we do Locked on Cavs together five days a week. We talk about all things Cleveland Cavaliers. We sometimes touch on other NBA stuff too because there's only so many things you can talk about when it's been the off-season for so long. But yeah, that's where you can find me. That's where you can check me out. And that's where most of my work is. And I have some big news on my coverage coming soon, but I cannot say anything right now, but you'll see. Just stick around and watch. Once again, that was Evan Dan Morrell, and I brought him on to talk about, of course, the rumors surrounding the Rockets. They are interested in trading with the Detroit Pistons for their top overall pick, but I also just wanted to talk about really quick, and I also want to use this as the last segment of this week's installment of Believe in the Rockets, about the possibility of Houston going after Colin Sexton. And I only wanted to talk about that because with Sexton being put on a trading block by the Cleveland Cavaliers, I have seen a couple people who's a part of Rocket Nation, actually tried to, I don't want to say convince themselves or just talk about the possibility of Sexton coming to the Rockets. Now, look, Sexton is a great player. And if he came to the Rockets, there are some positive. First and foremost, he fits the Rockets' timeline with their rebuild. He's only 22 years old, and he has already showed flashes of a guy who can actually be an all-star caliber player in this league. And he is also a, which you just heard Evan say, a tier three scorer, someone who can actually put the ball in the basket. For his career, he has averaged 20 points per game, and last season was by far his best. 
best year where he averaged a career-best 24.3 points per game while shooting 47% from the field and 31% from behind the arc. And like I mentioned, as someone who is only 22 years old, I'm pretty sure Sexton is just going to continue to improve in this league and become a better scorer. In the two games that the Rockets lost against the Cleveland Cavaliers this season, Sexton averaged 31 points per game. And then that final game in the loss that took place inside the Toyota Center, I believe it was in March, it was somewhere during the 20-game losing streak, Sexton scored 39 points and connected on four three-pointers. So the Rockets have a first-hand knowledge of how good and how great of a scorer Colin Sexton can be. However, when I weigh the pros and I weigh the cons between whether or not Colin Sexton would be a good move for the Rockets, I'm going to have to decline and say no because when I take a look at the main two issues with bringing Colin Sexton to Houston, these are issues that cannot be denied. For you listeners out there who have been listening to Believe in the Rockets, and shout out to you guys, or if you are a new listener, my number one priority that I want to see the Rockets do this year is whoever you bring in. It doesn't matter if it's through the draft. It doesn't matter if it's or even via trade. I don't want to see the Rockets bring in a player that is going to take the ball out of Kevin Porter Jr.'s hands. He is starting to develop into a phenomenal playmaker. And you can tell no matter if it was Christian Wood, if it was Amani Brooks, if it was Kenya Martin Jr. or whoever he was on the court with, you can tell that the players on this roster, excluding John Wall, <laughs> but you can tell that the players on this roster was really starting to enjoy playing alongside KPJ because he gets everyone involved. And I know a lot of you fans out there are enamored by the fact that Kevin Porter Jr. could develop into the Rockets' number one scoring option. And I do believe he possessed the capability to do so. However, I am more excited about him as a playmaker. We talk about him being James Harden 2.0. The second best attribute that James Harden possessed was his playmaking ability. And that is what we are starting to see. And that's what we saw in those 23 games with Kevin Porter Jr. And if you bring in somebody like a college Sexton who also need the ball in his hand, and not only that, someone, like you just heard Evan say, starting to develop a reputation as a ball hogger, I do not see a backcourt between KPJ and Kyle Sexton working out here in the city of Houston. I'm not even going to talk about what that would do to the Rockets financially. Because as of right now, according to Forbes.com, Sexton's market value is set for five years worth $140 million. That put him in a ballpark of an average salary of somewhere between, what, $27, $30 million a year. In my opinion, I think that is too much for a guy who, yes, he's talented, but he is not a franchise-changing player. Plus, committing that type of money to a guy who is not a franchise-changing caliber player is a little bit too much and would take away the flexibility that the Rockets currently have because the one thing I love about this rebuild, it doesn't matter if you're looking at draft capital it doesn't matter if you're looking at trade assets it doesn't matter if you're just looking at the amount of money that is about to start freeing up for the rockets once you get off of john walls and eric gordon and we actually talked about eric gordon in the first segment on how he could be moved this offseason but the rockets have so much flexibility that getting college sexton especially if they commit themselves to sexton long term can actually ruin the flexibility because sexton once again, he's a phenomenal player, but in my opinion, he's someone that you're basically going to be stuck with for at least, what, you give him a five-year contract, 
you're going to be stuck with him for at least the next four years. And like I keep mentioning, he is not a good fit with what the Rockets have currently on their roster. And two, and most importantly, he is not a franchise changing caliber player. Again, phenomenal player, but he is not the fit here for the Rockets and what they are building as of right now. But like I mentioned, I just wanted to play around with the idea of the Rockets actually trading for Colin Sexton. Nothing has been reported. Probably nothing would ever be reported between these two parties. But it's just a fun idea to play around with because we are officially in the rumor season. But with that being said, that concludes another installment of Believe in the Rockets only on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T. T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube